Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 285 of the podcast. It's August 9th, 2017. Joining me today is a friend and colleague, Karen Martin. She is uh, an author, consultant, speaker, uh, whichever order <laughs> those makes sense to put those in. She has been a guest on the podcast twice before in episode 151, talking about her book, The Outstanding Organization. And she was here again in episode 190, talking about her book, Value Stream Mapping. So you can find those episodes in the podcast feed, or you can go uh, to leancast.org or leanblog.org and uh, search for Karen Martin Podcast. Uh, today, we're talking about I mean, a fairly provocative question um, that, that Karen brought up and proposed for discussion here in the podcast. Simply put, the question is, is lean dead? Or I guess there are variations here. Is, is lean dying? Is lean fading? Um, can we generalize? Uh, if so, are there, there certain causes or, or factors here? Um, so we have, you know, it's more of a, a conversation. Uh, hopefully you'll enjoy and find interesting. Uh, if you'd like to um, share comments on the podcast, you can go to leanblog.org slash 285. You can find um, show notes, links to um, Karen's books and, and her website, ksmartin.com. And Karen also has a new book we're going to do a podcast about in the coming months. I've had a chance to read an early edition of her book called Clarity First, which is a follow-up to the book, The Outstanding Organization. So uh, again, uh, leanblog.org slash 285 for more information. And as always, thanks for listening. Well, Karen, it's been three years, so it's really good to have you back on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me. Yeah, I couldn't believe it's been that long. Yeah. Time flies. We're, we're both busy and, and doing a lot of interesting things. Can you introduce yourself um, for, for listeners who, who might not know you and your work? Sure, thanks. So my name is Karen Martin, and I'm the president of the Karen Martin Group, a uh, management consulting firm that specializes in lean management. We also sometimes do non-lean work when clients don't really want to explore lean, um, but we primarily are a lean uh, boutique consulting firm. Also author of um, almost five books, one coming out in January called Clarity First through McGraw-Hill, and then also behind that is The Outstanding Organization, which is um, the predecessor to Clarity First, and then three other books, two mapping books, Value Stream Mapping and Metrics-Based Process Mapping, and one on Kaizen events, when Kaizen events are an mm -hmm. appropriate execution model. Yeah, and um, we'll, we'll do a podcast um, about clarity when uh, when the new book uh, is is due out so well it'll it, it won't be three two or three years between podcasts this time how's that <laughs> good i like that good <laughs> and to to clarify uh, when you say you you do some non-lean work you mean work other than lean as opposed to going in and helping people do bigger batches and slower cycle times we That's not... <laughs> love to insert waste into our clients processes <laughs> and have them lose market share as a result um, um, no. no, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, what I mean is, you know, sometimes people ask for a very classic organizational development and operations design, and they don't really want to, you know, embrace and adopt a lot of the elements of lean 
thinking, which is actually part of why we're talking today, right. is um, that all organizations aren't adopting all aspects of lean, and there's a problem with that. Yeah, and we're going to talk about you know things that you know depending on whose judgment of you know what is lean, what isn't really lean, what is non-lean or anti-lean. Um, those are some of the things we'll um, get into in the discussion. But you know, you, you had raised um, the possibility of talking about the topic today. So I'll, I mean, I'll just let you go ahead and, and frame the discussion um, and, and our topic for today. Okay, great. So the title of the podcast is, Is Lean Dead? And it's because, you know, Mark and I have been noticing on social media, there's been increased murmurings from people, you know, kind of dissing lean and making comments about lean not being effective and it's time for something new. And um, there's one guy that's talking about the post lean world. And um, there's just so much interesting stuff out there that I, I thought it would be great to address it direct, directly and head on. Yeah, and, and I've seen, uh, I'd be curious to do a search. I think at least for 10 years, I've seen articles or people talking about what's quote unquote beyond lean as if lean uh, is is done or, you know, but, but the other thing you know, I think that comes to mind is, um, you know, celebrity death rumors. And um, <laughs> one of my favorite uh, American icons and, and singers, Willie Nelson, you know, he's 84 years old. I saw him in concert again a couple of weeks ago. His song, he's still releasing albums. And one of his most recent songs, uh, it goes, uh, I, I woke up still not dead again today. And <laughs> the song is all about these false rumors that spread on Facebook, fake news about um, yeah. Willie's death. I mean, is is there something to this? Uh, if, if if there are occasionally rumors of the death of Lean, is it fake news? <laughs> what do you, what do you, you think? You know, it's a great question. I I like. I don't think so. I mean, I don't think that it's fake news. I think it's real that people aren't experiencing tremendous results from Lean and therefore conclude that it doesn't work and they're guilty of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I also think we have a very short attention span, mm -hmm. especially in business and, and well in pop culture I mean look at how restaurants come and go fashion comes and goes and I think people you know get like okay what's the next new shiny object that we can hang our hat on and um, you know I, I think those are the two I don't know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head right now but yeah. I think those are the two big ones well and, and we have the opportunity to explore this we'll we'll give credit to my wonderful podcast listeners who I think at least sometimes listen to an entire 40 or 45 minute conversation <laughs> we can delve into that today uh, in a way that gets beyond um, the limits of a tweet right. or a LinkedIn post um, so I mean you know tell me I mean I think you know you, you raised two issues there one is the idea that they try something and conclude that it doesn't work. And, and that's probably not just an issue with lean. I would probably think of people in healthcare who might have tried um, accountable care organizations in, in recent years and, and maybe too quickly concluded that ACOs don't work. Is it, is it about the methodology? Is it about their approach to it? Is it, is it a lack of patience? I mean, what, what do you... Thank yeah, I, I think your point's well taken. There was a lot of trying out there that people falsely or prematurely conclude don't work. And, you know, we, we live in the world where experimentation's 
you know, the center of what we do to help organizations. So experimentation is very good. But what I do see a lot, and this is just even projects that companies attempt, you know, classic project management, they're just not well executed. And so they don't get good results and then conclude it's the methodology versus it being the way that they approached it. Yeah. And, you know, it's you, you have to do things the quote right way or at least a smart adaptation way in order for you to expect to get the results that something promises to give and lean promises to give a lot. Yeah. And so it, it has to be done carefully, thoughtfully, smartly, wisely, you know, et cetera. Yeah. So when you talk about results, um, I guess there's, you know, there's short term and long term results. Um, one, one thing that's uh, always been kind of fascinating to me, if we look at the framework from Jeff Liker's book, The Toyota Way, which is you know, maybe one source of uh, rightness or, you know, I think maybe we'll come back later and talk about the question, who decides what's right? But, <laughs> yeah. you know, principle one out of the 14 principles there says, you know, to make this, I'm paraphrasing, but make decisions based on the long-term perspective, even at the expense of the short term. That's yeah. prin principle number one. And uh, I've, I've seen recently Akio Toyota, um, for, you know, the family member and CEO, I think was talking about 50 year timeframes for decisions. And I, I mean, maybe I'd be curious what you think. I cannot remember of a single time when somebody reached out and said, our organization is struggling with how to be better long-term thinkers. How can we, how can we do that? It's like, it's principle number one, but it, but it seems to go completely ignored. Yeah, it's a fundamental problem. I think part of it's because it's 2017 and we live in a chop chop um, bullet point world. And I think part of it's Wall Street driven, very short term, you know, uh, results orientation. Actually, I think a lot of it's Wall Street driven, but even in not for profits, mm -hmm. um, you know, I see all the time you know, people having, you know, a quarterly or annual time frame for their where they're looking. And yeah, that does fly in the face of making good investments and good decisions that are longer term results oriented. Yeah, I mean, I, and you're right, nonprofits, that includes uh, a lot of hospitals, American okay. hospitals are nonprofit. And, um, you know, there's, there's kind of a familiar storyline where a hospital announces layoffs. Right. And, you know, the hospital spokesperson or executive says something to the effect of we had no choice. We were forced to do this, which is factually, un logically untrue. Mm -hmm. They chose to lay off people. So they're playing the victim. But, hmm. um, you know, it's, it's usually not a case of uh, we had to do this or we would have had to shut the doors. It's often a case of, well, our margin was going to be 3% instead of 4%. Right. And so some of that might come down to short term uh, performance incentives, even if right. not imposed by Wall Street. We can ask the board, why are you um, encouraging people to overreact to short term incentives? Yeah. So we're very clear with clients when we go in that if there's even a sniff of a layoff on the horizon, we won't start. Mm -hmm. And there are we feel that there are two legitimate reasons to lay off. One is if there is a significant and sudden incident or occurrence in the marketplace that makes it so literally you would have to shut your doors if you didn't do something quickly and laying off is one of the quickest fixes there is. 
at one of the least effective, but one mm-hmm. of the quickest fixes there is from a bottom line perspective. And the other, and so in healthcare, that's unlikely to ever occur. You know, there's unlikely going to be people suddenly not needing healthcare or not wanting healthcare. And so that's, that kind of negates that thing. The second thing is you really, truly poor performers. But, you know, if you're a reasonable organization, then you are, it's unlikely that you've hired a bunch of people that end up being poor performers. Or if you have, then you need to really look at your whole recruiting and hiring <laughs> mm-hmm. processes. But it's unlikely that you've, you know, res- you've hired a bunch of dodo birds that you know, <laughs> aren't contributing to the organization. Right. And so, you know, if, and, if, and if there's not one of those two conditions in place, then, you know, no way. No, yeah. no, no. Right. <laughs> um, so let's kind of delve in um, a little bit more. When you, uh, one other thing I was going to ask you to elaborate on, when you say you know th- there could be cases where organizations are not getting results in the short term or the long term, what types of results do you think they should be expecting? And are there some results that maybe are unrealistic expectations? Oh, great questions. So actually, I want to start answering that by talking about it in reverse. Um, We actually are working with a client right now that is not looking for business results. That's the first client ever that I've had, we've had, that isn't looking for anything financial at all to come out of it. He is looking 100% for people development, problem-solving capability development. He believes very much, as do we, that, that business results will come when you get people engaged deeply and solving problems on a daily basis and all of those things. The only caveat I would say to that kind of very unusual CEO, he's a CEO and chairman of the board, by the way, um, the unusual place that he's at is that I do think that they sometimes think that, that everything's going to be magical for them without looking at big strategic um you know, innovative kind of grand slam kinds of decisions that are part of what a business should be doing, not exclusively by any Mm -hmm. means, but there needs to be a balance between, you know, that, that little incremental improvement and development that you get from focusing on people and, you know, some business needs that are big and really require some major rehauling. But it seems like the things uh, he's asking for uh, fall more into the category of long-term results. Yes, yes. And, and he is a very long-term thinker. They've had the company for a long time, and they plan to have it for a long time. So they're yeah. not looking to sell. And, you know, that's, again, if you have that, if you're in the, you know, the M&A, merger and acquisition mindset, or you're looking to just be the darling of Wall Street or whatever, it's just impossible to have that long-term thinking. It flies in the face. Mm-hmm. of long-term thinking yeah so um let's let's go back and maybe talk a little bit more about you know the the rightness or the correctness um when it comes to to lean and 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 what it is and and i guess there's two dimensions what it is how organizations go about it um in in, in their lean journey what what are some of the things that you would consider to be you know kind of core correctness about lean and and, and maybe you can contrast that to some of the things that you see happening that you might question. Mm, Good question too. All right. So as far as how we view lean, we do view it as a very comprehensive, uh, both broad and deep methodology, management methodology to get exceptional performance 
from everybody, from financial performance, people performance, customer satisfaction and um, delight and all those things. So in order to get that, it's not a simple fix. You know, it's not a simple transition to getting that kind of you know, you can have it all kinds of results. And so, you know, we like to look at it as the people development piece of it, meaning that, you know, people who do the work are indeed viewed as the experts of that work by everybody, not just Mm -hmm. one leader, um, by everyone. And they're actively engaged in improving the work on a regular basis. Great problem solving capabilities, no matter how big or small the problem might be, no matter how simple or complex it might be. So that whole people development part of it. And then there's the part that's more strategic in how are you positioning yourself in the marketplace? What kinds of products um, do you really want to provide? You know, what is the compelling need for those products? And what, what's the customer really valuing and wanting? And, you know, I see a lot of organizations that say they do a lot of great strategic work that d- can't even really produce a valid strategic plan when mm-hmm. we go in to start strategy deployment, for example. So the strategy part of it has been less less vocal in the lean community, but it's very much part of how Toyota and everybody else who's been successful with lean operates. Yeah. So there's that. Then there's the process design part of it. And I'm going to actually include facilities design, layout, and all those considerations in this as well. Kind of the more mechanical, technical part of lean. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that you know, beginning people, and frankly, some of us in the lean community started with only seeing that part of lean. And so a lot of people think lean is just a process design technique. And, you know, that couldn't be further from the truth. And that's why they don't get, you know, significant results, because they're viewing it very narrowly like that. And then there's the whole management practices piece of it. And so there's the way leaders lead, the, you know, the whole notion of going to the Gemba on a regular basis and, and being humble and having curiosity and learning what obstacles people have in the way and you know, really getting to know your customers intimately. What do they really value? Don't rely on those you know, net promoter scores. That's not going to tell you really what's going on. You've got to find mm-hmm. out what's really going on. Yeah. So there's that whole intimacy part and the management practices that tie you know, that together with operations. And then finally, there's measurement. You know, organizations are woefully weak in measuring and and really keeping the right scorecard and defining winning in a way that's healthy for the organization and for the people there and for customers. So that's a lot, but that's yeah. what it is. <laughs> in my, well, yeah. in my view, that's what it is. Yeah, there's, I mean, there, there's, there's multiple dimensions. Um, what you were describing about, you know, people might only see it as uh you know one aspect of this it makes me think of the old story about the uh, the blind man and the elephant yes. <laughs> right yes that's in my book my next book coming up <laughs> okay coming up. <laughs> so how well so on, on the topic of clarity i mean what what are some ways that people can try to get clarity if they have either an incomplete view of lean which is you know i think what you were touching on here versus something that's an incorrect view? How, how can people go about getting clarity on this? You know, it's a great question because unfortunately, there hasn't been a single book, and it would be a tome if one was written. There hasn't been a single book that really touches on all these elements that make Lean so wickedly effective. You know, I think Jeff Likers gets closest to it, the Toyota way, gets closest to it than anybody. But these subjects are also meaty in and of themselves that they do require 
separate books. So, you know, you've got Pascal Dennis's wonderful Getting the Right Things Done, mm -hmm. you know, which talks about strategy deployment. And you've got your wonderful book on just the way to apply lean in healthcare, lean hospitals. You know, you've got, you know, my book on just one management practice or methodology, value stream mapping. So it's a very complex management system with a lot of different layers that's impossible. So, you know, I, I think we do need, I think the world is crying for a kind of quick read that executives could really grasp the, at least the elements of what makes Lean Lean and why it's so effective um, that does list all these different areas. Yeah. Um, but you have to be an insatiable learner. I mean, it's taken me, I started learning lean in 2000, mm -hmm. you know, it's 17 years later and right. I still, yesterday I heard, what was it I heard? Oh, it was way that Katie Anderson was framing good coaching questions. It was on Twitter and she, you know, kind of was being a little finger wagging toward the question why and talking about what and how being the more humility filled questions. And I use the question why a lot in coaching in a non finger wagging way. But she, her point well, was brilliant. Well, I mean, I, th I mean, yeah, I mean, I think the question why triggers uh, some defensiveness. I, I don't think, you know, even if the question comes from a place of humility. Um, sometimes people just don't respond well to that word. Um, well, I I agree, and and the way I use it, and then you know I am about to adjust a little bit. Think Katie's tweet. Uh, see, Twitter is valuable. Um, I uh, the way I always frame it is I I want to ask a question why, and I don't mean this in a judgmental or finger wagging way. I'm literally I'm curious. Uh -huh. Why did you opt to do that? Now. Now that I am rethinking this, there's a much better way to frame that where I wouldn't have to give that caveat. And there's the risk that people won't believe me with mm -hmm. that caveat, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, but again, you know, you just, if you aren't constantly learning, you know, lean is just not something you, you know, go back to the Greenbelt programs and look at, you know, how much lean, you, you don't learn lean. You don't have a clue what lean is I, after you've come through. If that's all <laughs> you've been exposed to is a Greenbelt program, you don't have a clue what lean really is about. I agree with you there. And I say this to mean, you know, no disrespect. And I know you don't mean it this way. Disrespect to the people taking the class. They're trying to learn and do something. But, you know, I've, I've looked deeply, looked closely at, uh, quote unquote, Lean Sigma Greenbelt curriculum. And the lean content is usually five to 10 percent right. of the topics. And, and people tell me that, you know, the, the, the amount of time spent on lean is very short and the topics are often just a couple of tools or, or something really, uh, yeah. really superficial. Value stream mapping and Kaizen events. That's yeah. what I see a lot in, in, I look at curriculum as well. And, um, you know, it, that's okay. And I, I honor and respect people that go to get a certificate because we do live in a world where paper and letters behind your name matter, whether they should or not, it's a whole different discussion, but they right. do. Um, to a lot of hiring parties, and so I and I applaud people for wanting to learn, but you know the, you just can't stop there. That needs to be like you know 0.1 percent of what your full body of knowledge will actually be yeah. after you've you know spent a decade learning this stuff. Yeah. So you mentioned um, you know Pascal's book, um, Getting the Right Things Done. Pascal's written um, a lot of uh, excellent books, um, a lot uh, you know very I think very very readable, whether it's the more textbooky books or, you know, he's written some business novels, you know, to me, uh, you know, well, I mean, it's a fact that he's a former Toyota guy. So to me, that's one filter for, you know, sort of a, a, a source of 
uh, correctness or, or rightness, um, you know, that he lived that for, mm-hmm. uh, for quite a while. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, who, who are some of the other books that you would recommend to people uh, that, that you think are good sources of, of truth on lean? Well, so I still always recommend the Toyota Way, um, but I also caveat it with, you know, it's not a book that CEOs, unless they're really into process design and operational uh, maturity and organizational maturity, you know, it's just, it's it's a thicker book. It's just a longer read, but it's still... I think the most thorough book out there on it. Um, I also actually recommend your book, Lean Hospitals, for non-healthcare oh. clients all mm-hmm. the time. I mean, I, I said I know it says Lean Hospitals. You need to read this book because it's a much quicker read. It's a um, a good, thorough, high-level view of Lean, and so I, I recommend that. Um, Tracy Richardson has one coming out in a few months called the, I hope I don't botch this. I think it's called the Toyota engagement equation. Yes. Tracy and her husband, Ernie, who are both, both, both former Toyota people from Kentucky. Right. Um, I've read it and, um, I, it's phenomenal. And so I think that that book is good. Um, I haven't gotten through Jeff and Karen Ross's, Jeff Liker and Karen Ross's new uh, Lean Service. What's, I don't know what the official title is. We'll I haven't gotten it through away the, for, to service excellence. Right. So I haven't read through the whole book, but the part that I've been through already looked very good. Um, you know, I actually try to get people to also watch my webinars because mm-hmm. they're, you know, I try to cover everything and I have one coming up on daily management in August so I try to cover everything and you know for people who don't like to read they can just listen and watch and um, but but you'd have to watch all of them you know or at least a large part of them to be able to start assembling a body of knowledge around lean and it's only a you know and a one-hour webinar so you're not gonna be building skills by doing it yeah um, what else well, I know I'm missing well I'm missing I, I mean I would add I mean I think there, there's you know, there, there's at this point sort of the classics, which are maybe, you know, the equivalent of classics in literature, the books by um, Ono and Shingo, um, yes. Masaki Amai's book, Kaizen. Kaizen, um, yep. I think at this point, you know, Norm Bodek's, uh, you know, first books on uh, quick and easy Kaizen, um, you know, to right. me are sort of part of that, you know, kind of direct from... Toyota or one degree distilled from Toyota. Do you right. have a lot of those books? There, there was also a generation of books that were, um, you know, I think one of these different uh, parts of the elephant. You had books on just in time. You had, yeah. you know, books on certain lean tools or concepts that didn't perhaps capture the, the totality of it. But I mean, I, I think Liker or not, uh, well, Liker uh, definitely contributed to this with the Toyota way. I think Womack and Jones with their book, Lean Thinking, were trying to create a, a book that would encapsulate some of the, the totality. And, and, and that's been 20 years now since that book right. was released. Right. You know, I think that the uh, Lean Thinking is, is a wonderful book for someone to you know really understand what Lean Thinking is about. Um, and even you know, I've heard Womack speak and he's, you know, he's admitted that it's, you know, it's not all inclusive given what we now know. And when people, you know, make kind of derogatory comments about it being not the full picture, I say, yeah, but come on, that was in the late, was it the early nineties, late nineties? Mm-hmm. I forget what year that was that, that came out, but it was 
when a research team went in and they saw what they saw. You know, they they weren't in there for a decade studying Toyota. They mm-hmm. were, you know, there for years, but not a long time. And we, our Western minds, I believe this, that our Western minds couldn't comprehend what actually we now know back then. I just mm-hmm. think that it took a lot of, you know, taking layers out and trying things and seeing that those aren't successful and saying, hmm, well, why is that? You know, and, and starting to re, you know, look at Toyota again and again and again. And, you know, I hear people kind of saying, oh, I'm so enough, enough with the Toyota, you know, but you know what? They are still the organization to study, you know, when it comes to what an organization could do to truly achieve excellence. Mm-hmm. They're still my go-to company. They're still my go-to company. Yeah, and you know, I think it's 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 hard as an outsider to see kind of if you know the the totality of the lean approach. Um, and I feel like we're still scratching the surface. You know, every time I meet with uh, former Toyota people or active Toyota people, there's some kind of new layer that that gets revealed at some point. So yeah, I mean, it's probably tough to um, in, in encapsulate. I mean, that, this is, kind of makes me think back to. The debate, you know, originally, supposedly Taichi Ono and Shigeo Shingo were, I think it was mainly Ono's comment, they were hesitant to write anything down because they were right. afraid that that would uh, stop progress, that it would carve right. things in stone and create permanence. Um, you know, they eventually toward or, you know, into retirement, they did start writing some things down. Norman Bodak helped them um, with translations and bringing those books um, to the U.S., but um, I mean, I, I think it raises another point. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the difference between, you know, learning enough from Toyota that we can then carry forward and through our own thinking and experimentation and synthesizing of different methods versus, well, we, we need to learn every little detail about Toyota so we can try to copy them with high fidelity. Yeah, it's a it's a big question. It's a good question. Um well, what we absolutely don't want to do, which many organizations have attempted, is to try to copy Toyota. And I know you've talked about that in your blog posts a fair amount. Um, and we do see that a lot. And, you know, I see it. I, this is why I get very worried about benchmarking mm-hmm. is that we, t- we took a client recently to another, you know, fairly mature lean organization. And, you know, we kept preaching you're not going to come back and copy things you know you're just going to look at what they're doing and look at why they're doing it and ask questions and learn about the thinking behind it and then come back and now look at your environment and figure out what you need to be doing and what problems you need to solve and all this stuff and then you know maybe adapt some of the and uh you know bam copy 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 Mm -hmm. like literally to the um, management practice we saw to the tool we saw being applied, it was copy, copy, copy. And, you know, so it's, you know, it's, it's frustrating. So I think that we need to keep reading. People need to keep writing and we need to keep adapting. And, you know, I, I don't know whether, I don't know how people feel about this, but the outstanding organization, which was my third book and now clarity first coming out, which is my fifth book are both books. I call them lean and drag. <laughs> Because I intentionally kept lean out of the title and the subtitle because there are a number of people out there that are just kind of eye rolling. Oh, enough about lean. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I didn't want to scare them off. Um, And I also didn't want organizations that have experienced some bastardized version of lean and, you know, go after yeah, that didn't work. I don't want to read that book. You know, but but really what's in my book, like Clarity First is all about 
the clarity enabling benefit of the various management practices and to some degree some of the tools but it's mainly a management practice focused book for leaders mm -hmm. and what kinds of benefit there is in operating with greater clarity through these things but it's all you know it's all taken from the lean playbook more or less yeah but so, distilled and, and and restated in a different way right and, and with your own thoughts too Right. And for example, with strategy deployment or Hoshin Conry, Hoshin planning, whatever term you'd like to use for it, I have a very unique um, homework stage that clients need to go through. Well, actually, you went through it with me with a client. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm finding it wickedly effective, wildly necessary. And yet Toyota would never do that because mm -hmm. they don't need to. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, they're just a well-oiled machine to begin with. And so they don't need to. So yes, I've definitely adapted a fair amount of um, lean practices to be realistic and practical for today's businesses that we're working with at least. Yeah. So, you know, when you talked earlier about uh, results and, and maybe we, we can make an assumption that business leaders, hospital leaders want results, uh, short term and or long term, and they, they may they may sort of barf on the idea of uh, lean or, or different buzzwords uh, or, or, or Japanese terms. I, I get that. But um, I think, you know, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, uh, you know, if, uh, if people are asking why they should practice lean or whatever term we're going to use. Um, I think you, you raise an interesting counterpoint of, well, why would you not do this? What, what, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts uh, on some of that? Yeah. So uh, people, you know, if people don't ask, well, why do it, then I will insert, you know, why would you not? Because, you know, th and this getting back to is lean dead. You know, I, when I hear this, I, you know, sometimes will message people and say like, what's up with this? Why are mm -hmm. you, why are you approaching this as though lean is an ineffective methodology? Like, what about lean is offensive to you? And they can't answer because there's nothing offensive um, and so it just, it just, I don't know, it doesn't make sense to me that people want to just toss something aside when they don't know much about it and they haven't, you know, been able to get either an environment that will adopt, adopt it correctly, or they just, you know, are not effective in their own methodology for helping an organization. So when it comes to results, so I, I want to be very clear on this. We definitely work with a lot of clients that have significant financial pressure and they need to get better financial results. And we use lean management to achieve that. So just saying that. Mm -hmm. Now, the way we achieve it isn't through layoffs. It isn't through cutting, you know, rapid, co you know, cost cutting and ridiculous things. It's a very methodical, well thought out, waste elimination focused way to get financial results but there are companies that are bleeding financially and have to quickly turn things around or they will be in dire straits or they're in markets that are changing radically and dramatically right yeah or they're in in the case of healthcare they're not able to sustain the losses or the small margins anymore because of a variety of you know pressures coming from the outside. So, you know, you might be able to have a 3% margin for the first 20 years of existence of your hospital and no longer be able to do that. So there are legitimate reasons to reduce um, expenses mm -hmm. and, and work toward earning, earning revenue. But the way you do that is through using lean practices, which are longer term, they may take a little bit longer to get those 
financial um, things. But you also, you can pick a smart project and you can approach it using lean thinking. And if it's the right project with enough money hanging off of it, you can get a pretty quick hit that has significant, like if you have, for example, we see software all the time where there's like, you know, 40 licenses are still paying for that no one is using. Mm. Well, that's, you know, that's, a, that's that, just silly. <laughs> I know it's just silly and it's super easy to get that money. You know, we see people that have people working overtime and it's you know significant overtime because the process that they're working on doesn't really allow them to get it done within eight hours and are doing all this rework. Well, you know, you fix that process and the need for overtime goes away. So there's there are ways that you can get quick hits. Um, but when we work for, with organizations that have significant financial pressure, it's a longer term, mm-hmm. you know fix that yeah. that they need and it needs to be permanent it can't be you know that's the other thing why it takes longer is it takes longer to put a band-aid on properly than it is to slap one on and and the, the band-aid should never you know come off again until conditions change so yeah yeah well i i think there's this um you know i think this interesting change process and th- this is something i've been exploring and kind of you know my own continuous learning um Kind of you know ideas that come from more of the uh, the clinical counseling realm, mm-hmm. not not engineering. You know, engineering, and I say this you know as a, a recovering engineer or a recovering <laughs> MBA. There's so much emphasis placed on logic, rational facts, <laughs> argument, and 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 people are uh, far more complex than that. Um, emotion yeah. obviously enters into it. That's not a bad thing. That's just a reality and. You know, I could see executives or leaders saying, I know we need better results, but I mean, you know, this is cutting to the chase or it's harsh, you know, uh, but I don't want to change, <laughs> you know. Right. So like, well, hmm, I want better results, but I don't want to do anything differently. Well, hmm. Good luck with that. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> and uh, you're in trouble that way. Um, or there's, you know, maybe the, the, I think the different layer where somebody says, I know I need to think more in the long term. I want to engage all of my employees as the experts in their work to improve. But right. And so then here's here's the other side of it. Uh, I don't have time. Uh, that's too slow. Blah, blah, blah. I don't think I can really change. There's there's what you know gets referred to as change talk. You know, I, we need to do better. I want to engage employees. And then there's the status quo talk or the sustained talk. And I mean, I think a lot of leaders seem to be like really individually very, very conflicted. Um, it's it's not an easy thing to work through. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, what are some of your thoughts of, you know, forget organizational change for a minute, but thinking about, you know, a, a, a single executive, what, what are some of your thoughts on on that level of change? Well, first of all, I have a tremendous um, affection for and empathy for leaders. I think it is very, I don't think, I know it is very difficult to be a leader in today's environment. There are so many things coming at you and there are so many um, pressures in business today that it's it's wickedly difficult to be 
a leader period. So I definitely come from a place of empathy and understanding. And That's important. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. And so there's a lot of leader dissing that goes on out there, especially by junior internal improvement people. Uh -huh. Like, ah, you know, this is a CEO. You know, yeah, there are people that are in leadership roles that really shouldn't be, for sure. Met a lot of them. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, but, you know, by and large, pe leaders are very well intentioned. By and large, they are capable and competent. And by and large, you know, have the, the well-being of the organization at heart and its people. So, you know, you have to start with that as a place to start. And then you go into a little more about, well, why? Why do they respond the way they do? Why do they behave they, the way they do? You know, what's going on with that? So the time one, I get that a lot. You know, we get that a ton. Like, we don't have time. And, you know, I basically just kind of look at them and say, you don't have time not to. Mm -hmm. You know, look at all the amount of time you're wasting solving the same problem over and over and over and over. Who said that, you know, people have no time for improvement, but they can spend plenty of time. <laughs> is that Deming or Ford? I, I forget. Um, there's lots of similar thoughts about, yeah. you know, if you don't have time uh, to do it right the first time, why do you have time to do it over? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so I, you know, start from that position and then, you know, this is where I'm not a big fan. Um, even though I wrote a book on Kaizen events, I'm not a big fan of Kaizen event frenzy where you use them over and over and over. And, yeah. and I think that's just, that's just silly. Um, it's ridiculous, but, but there is a place for using Kaizen events to help an organization get focus on something that matters a lot and start teaching them how to work cross-functionally and break down silos. And, you know, that from a culture shift perspective that kind of learning that happens in the Kaizen event and I it's the only environment I have found to get quick learning on the cultural piece um, you know that's when you, you throw people in a room for you know two to five days with a very clear target and you help them do it because they're not having to think about their day-to-day -day work sometimes that's the only way to get improvement made and made well so um, anyway, so we could talk about each one of those where leaders say, yes, but, you know, but <laughs> the thing is, is that we, you know, I've recently kind of changed my whole approach on, on the way we work with clients and I won't work with clients anymore unless the senior most or someone at least very high up is really excited and has a huge appetite for this yeah. because it just isn't, it just doesn't work well otherwise. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and, and so as we wrap up here, um, and, and I think, you know, there's maybe other topics we could do a part two of this uh, before doing a podcast on um, clarity first. But, you know, to, to wrap up, you know, I think there was that core question at the beginning of the podcast that you raised uh, is is lean dead um, I, before, you know, hear your thoughts to wrap up. One thing I looked at today and, and today being July 24th when we're recording this, I wrote a blog post. Looking back, uh, being five years yesterday since uh, my my book uh, that I wrote with Joe Schwartz, Healthcare Kaizen, was released. And there's one thing you can do looking at um, Google Trends, where they make data available in terms of search traffic. And so there's a chart in the blog post that that has the search term "lean healthcare." Now, this is you know this could be people looking for other than TPS lean, this could involve searches for weight loss or something. But right. there's, you know, kind of a steady increase from 20, 2004 to 2010. 
and there's a peak in the chart where then it starts declining and kind of levels out. So the question is, you know, was there a point of peak lean? You know, this could be imperfect data. Like I, I, I feel like there's two things happening. There's, you know, or, well, three things. There are organizations that are still getting started. There are organizations that are still working at it and hopefully they're improving their practice of lean. And then there are organizations who are giving up on lean. So is lean dead? Mm. It's hard to generalize, but how, how would you answer that to wrap up here? Well, and I put one more category. There are people, I call it the, um, the um, camel effect, where there's humps. Like there's, there's a lot of organizations out there that have great success and then a leader, there's leader, leadership turnover and then lean kind of dies. And then someone comes back in and they bring it back in and then it dies. And that kind of, that's both good and bad because the bad is that it gives people that flavor of the month feeling. Um, but the good is that, you know, they're able to get some more traction whenever a new leader that understands lean's power comes in and, and kind of puts new life into it. Um, so lean is definitely not dead from from my perspective at all. I mean, I I think that the um, the interest that we see in non manufacturing clients and it's every sector. You know, government is just starting to really come to the table and, and ask for help. Mm-hmm. Education, financial services has been at it for a while, but there's more of that. Um, there's a lot of professional services, legal, accounting. Yeah. Um, you know, all of those types of organizations, not for profits. Um, energy, the mm-hmm. whole energy sector. I mean, oil and gas has been at it for a while, but now wind and um, all kinds of energy firms are getting into it. So the, just the sheer ask, the volume of the ask and inquiries is indicating to me that it's not dead. Um, also in manufacturing, we're getting a fair number of requests from manufacturers that have been at it for a while, and they just aren't making continued progress. And, you know, in some cases we went in and, for example, you know, they still have a very push operation. It's not – they don't even – they haven't even started to use pull production scheduling and pull to – pull work through, which is, you know, very effective effective from a waste reduction perspective. So there's all kinds of things. I mean, assuming that that's the – proper solution for the particular problem at hand, but there's all kinds of things that we see happening. So there's nothing that I have seen that doesn't work about lean. That just is like, mm-hmm. what? That doesn't, that's silly. You know, there's nothing about it that doesn't work. And it, most of lean works everywhere. It's a very, very universal management philosophy. And so I just, I, I think that the I, people that are saying, you know, things about lean being dead and everything are just operating from a place of misunderstanding yeah. and lack of a lack La- of good experience. And and like you said earlier, maybe a lack of patience. And and, and I would say I, I think it's it's proven that lean can be effective in many different settings. That doesn't mean it automatically will be or that it's easy to do so. I think that's the challenge. So what I get frustrated when I see uh, a doctor have what might have been a bad experience in one organization and then they extrapolate wildly and write a journal article saying, see, lean doesn't work in healthcare. That's no more true than looking at a success story and say, well, see, everybody will be able to do this. Well, you know, and that's really risky thinking for a doctor because that's the same doctor that could look at, you know, a diagnosis (laughs) of one patient, see a similar symptom, Mm -hmm. another one go, therefore they must have this, you know, and that's, that's pretty, that's pretty faulty thinking. Or or looking, you know, medication was uh, ineffective for one patient. That doesn't mean it doesn't work for anybody. Right, right. 
So, uh, and so it goes. Yeah, so it goes. <laughs> um, as uh, and I believe uh, this this is actually it's sort of a misquote, but uh, as as Mark Twain says, you know, re- reports of my death are greatly exaggerated. Um, I think maybe the same is true with Lean. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at the people that have beefs with Lean, it's like, well, what what could possibly come along? I mean, there's going to be different ways of operating as a business that are going to be improvements for sure. I mean, that's, we're an innovative world and, and society, so that's going to keep happening. But, you know, what is it that's going to, you know, come and, and replace lean in terms of there being, um, you know, a wildly different way of approaching, like when will push ever work? You know what I mean? It's not it push pushing work through a system just never works. And so it, there's just so much fundamental to lean that there'll be tweaks and, and little adjustments to it, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But the core methodology is very Deming-like. It's very Drucker-like. Right. It's mm-hmm. very Tom Peters-like. It's, you know, it's fundamental stuff that's not as commonly practiced. Yeah. So. Well, so we'll, we'll keep at it. I encourage people, listeners, to go check out Karen's website, ksmartin.com. Check out the past webinars. You're doing webinars. Uh, you're starting up some new ones. Is that right? Yep, I am. The August 22nd is our next one on daily management systems. Well, great. So um, thank you for doing those. Those are uh, free. I encourage people uh, to check those out and to um, check out Karen's books. You can learn more uh, on her website. Again, chaosmartin.com. You can find her on Amazon, Twitter, LinkedIn, all the, <laughs> the usual places. So, um, Karen, great talking to you as always. And thanks again for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Mark. It was really fun talking with you again. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.